0: Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy
1: Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts
0: now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News sports podcast i am kevin sherrington sitting across from me in the studio today david moore hi david
1: glad you got that introduction out i yeah, thought i, I was three quarters job. of the way through i, I was, almost had a stroke i
0: think that's what it was <laughs> uh and and not joining us but, today but is there evan, is
1: some good news today yeah
0: no There's evan something grant to look forward to no evan grant evans at the winter meetings once again on another doggle. evan grant is off somewhere you know i've gone to i think on two trips this entire year. <laughs> and and Evan, meanwhile, has been, you know, every week he's gone someplace different.
1: Isn't this his, like, fifth trip to, like, look at turf that they could use oh, the yeah. new, or a new something stadium? Something bogus like that. He's going like out that. to the Vegas desert to see what, well, what, was, what grows there. What was great was that he, he finagled that thing
0: going to Atlanta where he just happens to be oh, from, yeah. you know? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> any place where Evan either has relatives or friends... Uh, that's where he's trying to get a trip to. <laughs> or it's a place he's always wanted to go. So anyway, uh, no, we don't hold anything against Evan. Uh, no, so,
1: but luckily we don't have to talk to him today during the segment.
0: That's true. Usually he's nodding off during this one. You know. <laughs> oh, he's, he's on his computer. He's I got to like, tell you, David, there was one time you were calling in and we were in the studio. and we're, And, of course, we're doing it on YouTube, this beautiful thing that we have available to us. <laughs> and he actually fell asleep during it. I thought, of all the ones to fall asleep on, why would you fall asleep on the one where you're on camera? I mean, I, I just don't get it. Maybe he was reading one of his stories. But it could have been. Very well could have been. All right. Well, let's move on from Evan. A uh, really boring Please. subject. Uh, and, and go straight to uh, the Cowboys, uh, who uh, who put away the Team Eagles. with the
1: longest active winning streak in the NFL. How about that? How about that? Speeding into December and beyond.
0: They certainly are. Uh, and, and and while it was kind of easy to see, I think, uh, that the Cowboys were getting better, uh, you, easy enough for, for us to see it. We even wrote about it. Uh, <laughs> that... Uh, that it seems like we've seen what's happened what Chicago did you know uh, to the Rams and uh, and slowing them down and, and we, we we've seen some of these teams that that people are were seeing as juggernauts you know mm-hmm. and saw what the Cowboys did to the Saints and we and we've seen now that well maybe maybe that's not the end all and be all is that type of thing and this should give Cowboys fans some hope I think
1: yeah and it's uh, it was it was in private conversations off the record, but with, with several Cowboy officials, you know, once you saw this new offensive wave that was hitting the w- league and everyone was saying, this is a trend, this is where the NFL is going, it's going to be there sooner than you realize and all of this. Um, don't want to say smug, but there were, w- when you would speak to people at the Star, it, there was an acknowledgement that, yeah, these are outstanding offensive teams. And, how many times have we heard this before? Yeah, about, uh, yeah, and and they and there was very much of a let's wait and look up at the end of the season, see how this postseason plays out, and and then see uh, where and, and you've always had teams on the on the edges or the or, or pushing the envelope offensively, but who's been able to sustain it? Has it really brought the league along with it? And and the league is more offensive minded than it was before, but I think. Uh, especially after you know the the Rams Chiefs game you know everyone uh, i mean you know in the in the Saints 54-51 uh, people are going wow this is this is where the league's going the Cowboys no way they can keep up um, oh, to to use a Jason Garrett phrase let's look globally for a second globally um i, I don't think i think that always happens much later than what everyone says is going to happen uh, because I I just think there's some things in place systematically to prevent it. One, I don't think there is enough talent, offensive talent, to sustain that level of offensive explosion for 32 teams. No,
0: no, not at all.
1: Two, you don't have a coaching structure in place that would allow that to take hold either. I, I think you still have a lot of Coaches who've been in the league for a long time saying, no, you need a balanced team. Uh, this is what's going to happen. What about the weather? You don't take the weather into account. You yeah. don't take uh, uh, all of these other factors in. I don't think there are enough coaches in this league where you could structure staffs that would allow you, in essence, to ignore one side of the ball and just say, hey, look, we're going to win these games 54-51 all the time. So." You have to work through all that, and those are generational things. You know, Just because you're seeing the tip of the iceberg here doesn't mean you're going to get to see the whole iceberg for a while. Yeah. So I think the league will move in that direction, but it's not going to move as, as quickly as everyone says. And, and two, going back another point, I, I think that maybe too much is made of this, do you win a championship with a great offense or a great defense? Mm-hmm. To me, the answer is yes. If you have a great offense or a great defense – you can win a title. The key is, are you a high enough level of execution on that other side of the ball that allows you to do that? So I don't think there's a, I don't think you have to build a team to have a great offense to win these days. And I don't think a great defense in and of itself wins these days. I think it comes down to how good are you on the other side of the ball. You know, if you're a top three offense or defense, I think you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. But is your if you're a top three defense is your offense in the top ten? Uh, is your you know if you're if the other way around if your offense is top three is your defense around fifteen? Uh, then I think you have a shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and we've brought this up before. And and, uh, and I, I want to go back to a tweet I saw from Bob Sturm the other day and when he was talking about after the Cowboys uh, beat the Eagles for the second time in a very exciting game, not a very good game, but a very good, exciting yeah, game yeah. Uh, as a fun game to watch uh, for a lot of – if you don't have a heart problem. Uh, but I he said, you know, I, I don't remember a time when Cowboys fans – were so uneasy about winning. You know, a, a team has won 5 games in a row and they're just picking it apart. And I think so much of it has to, there's a lot of factors involved here. I'm going to say the number one factor is that most of these fans are older, they're complaining are older fans, and they remember the Cowboys teams from the early 90s, mm-hmm. which were dominant teams on yes. both sides of the ball. And of course that was before uh, free agency and the salary, the salary cap, cap yep. and you can build those teams and you can keep them mm-hmm. you know and it was and it was easy to do uh you can't do that anymore and just just to your point uh you know i've always said you can be great on one side of the ball but you need to be competent on the other one and and that's the thing that's it's hurt teams like baltimore sure which they have been really good on defense it, it depends on joe flacco and how well they're going to be on offense mm-hmm. and of course they did get to a super bowl and won, won
1: one so yeah you know so it's certainly, it certainly hurt jacksonville last year they it, were a very good team they advanced but then you know, they they weren't good enough offensively when they got into that, that game they needed to win.
0: Absolutely. And then I think you have a, a, another factor in the unease of Cowboys fans here is that they see Patrick Mahomes, and they see him throw that no-look pass in that in that game Sunday, which, you know, well, I don't know that any quarterback remarkable. in the history of the NFL has ever done that. It's like Not in chasing, a game, you no. know.
1: People swear that Brett Favre would do it in practice, but he, even he didn't pull it out in games.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sure not. And, and, uh, and, and, that, and that's just amazing to watch him do that. And I think that people think because that is so brilliant and to watch him do the things he's doing, that means that every other quarterback sucks. And, and so uh, you, you watch Dak, you watch him miss wide open guys, you watch him overthrow Mike, poor Michael Gallup, who must feel like, how big does he think I am Michael anyway? Michael Gallup
1: is so close to having like a, <laughs> oh a breakthrough gosh. rookie season. Oh my gosh.
0: And, and Dak just can't connect with him. And he, and he, and he has on occasion, but, the, but certainly he has struggled to do that. Uh, and so I think you see, they see those things uh, in particular the old Cowboys and how dominant they were. This team isn't like those teams. This team doesn't have Troy Aikman. It doesn't have all these players. This can't, team can't win. And what they've ignored is all these years of quarterbacks in between, uh, in which, you know, there have been, and I went back the other day and looked at all the, the quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls in the mm-hmm. last 11, I think I said 11 years. And, and most of those quarterbacks. I think seven, up, six or seven of them were, were Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. no question about it. But there were also four or five quarterbacks yeah. who were very average to below average who won Super Bowls. So it's not, not to say that you can't. It's just to say that, yeah, your odds are better if you've got a great quarterback.
1: And the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, or, or future Hall of Fame quarterbacks who have won, have won one or two. That's like absolutely Drew right. one. he wins one. He's been, he's been with New Orleans a long time. They're fun to watch. They're a very good team. One Super Bowl,
0: absolutely, and Eli Manning has beaten Tom Brady twice. twice, 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 and 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 you know everybody wants to say, oh, you can't put Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. And maybe he can, maybe he can. I'm not making an argument for him. I always, I always stand up for Eli. I always feel like sure. it's like watching the, the Giants this year. Everybody wants to dismiss him and say, that was a bad pick to take Saquon Barkley. He should have taken a quarterback. it's think, yeah. well, uh, other than the quarterback who went first, uh, those rookie quarterbacks have been a little iffy proposition this mm-hmm. year. And maybe you should draft some offensive linemen to protect yeah. Eli Manning. Maybe that would be a good idea.
1: But yeah, like you're saying, like what you're looking at, too, go back Aaron Rodgers. People love this game, one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. Again, not to minimize winning one Super Bowl, but here we're talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks who have been in the league, you know, in in the case of Breeze, what, he's 37, 38 now, has one Super Bowl title. Rodgers is now in his 30s. Look how this season's winding down. Not good. And again, one Super Bowl title. Peyton Manning had two as long as it's – and so, yeah, I mean, it it increases your chances. I think it keeps you there on the cusp all the time. And when you're on the cusp – you can break through, uh, which is a lot of what Tom Brady's done. Look, look at the ones he's lost too. I mean, but they've been right there, right? And no, no uh, question about that, it. That's what a, that's what a Hall of Fame quarterback will do. They'll keep your team, give you a chance, maybe. When otherwise, if you're not that good at quarterback, you're not going to have that chance. But how often does it yield a, a Super Bowl title? And, and again, and here's the other thing you're, you're saying: like uh, you know, Cowboys fans wish they had. Uh, Troy Aikman rather than Dak Prescott at quarterback. I agree with you completely. Look at Troy Aikman's stats his first three years and compare him to Dak Prescott's. Yeah. When people make that comparison, they're comparing Dak Prescott to the Troy Aikman who won three Super Bowl titles, not the quarterback who was fighting to get the team to the postseason and then have success that, after That's that. an excellent point. And that's the other thing that happens. All these guys get compared to other Athletes at other positions at their peak.
0: This town has always has been funny to me about quarterbacks. Though there has been no other NFL town that has only been in existence since the 1960s that has vilified its quarterbacks more or more famous for it. I think you know they basically booed you know Don Meredith out of the league, no no question, um, and have been you know we're were hard on quarterbacks. No
1: use for Danny White. No, no use for him. three nfc championship games
0: absolutely and, and and uh and then even in you know for most of tony romo's career here he was vilified now
1: now people like him oh they love tony now <laughs> they love him now it's fascinating it's fascinating now because he was yeah. just such a lightning rod and now more and more it's revisionist history like oh well if only they had tony romo and that
0: here. that's absolutely the right. the guy
1: who's won you know one playoff two playoff games absolutely game. and, and again it's uh I was like you know, you mentioned Bob Sterner and I, and so I'm I'm on social media during the game too and because I'm tweeting things from the game so I'm also following you know what the tone is and what people are and again here's a team with a four game winning streak they were ahead you know they never trailed in right. this game <laughs> they never trailed I mean talk about again it was a very odd d- game we can talk about more I, I can't recall being in a game that was one side dominated more than Dallas did and it went into overtime right. because of all of the red flags, you know, all of the mistakes they made and the yeah. penalties and all that. But um during the game, when they were ahead, the the the, the groundswell was clear. Fire Scott Linehan, yeah, and do not extend Dak Prescott.
0: Right. No, I, and that I, was
1: coming out of this game as they were winning their fifth straight game to take control of the division.
0: And I'm even getting the caveman communication. I'm getting emails from people during the game telling me that. So, you know, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing to watch. Um, I really do think – and, of course, listen, I'm the first to say, too, he can't
1: be missing people like that. You know, well, no. And, and the difference is, yeah, the, the difference is in some of these offenses, yeah, every quarterback misses those throws. Right. And, the, and that's a legitimate counterpoint to bring up because – uh, it struck me because uh, last week I remember uh, the Monday night game watching in, in Pittsburgh, and Ben Roethlisberger overthrew a wide-open Antonio Brown, who was every bit as wide-open as Michael Gallup was when right. when Dak Prescott missed him. And uh, But the difference is when you're throwing, when your team built to throw and you're completing 35 to 38 passes a game, and throwing forty
0: five to fifty,
1: right? A miss and the occasional miss here and there doesn't is, show up as much. It, one, it's not as significant because the percentages just show it. And two, you're also hitting some big plays down the field, which go, oh well, he just missed that one. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is built to run, and this last game was an aberration. They're not going to. Th- he's not going to throw 54, 55 more times in a game this year. I wouldn't think. No. You know, you're you're looking at he's throwing in the twenty eight range and so when you miss two deep throws when you only throw 28 times versus two deep throws when you're throwing 54 times if you're in if you're a Mahomes or something like that you know those offenses you shrug your shoulders and go well you can't be perfect right but with Dak, it's like, hey, you don't take enough of those shots. You got to hit more of them.
0: That was, you know, the the point early in the season, back when they were back in the days when they were three and five. Which um, seemed like it was just a, it lasted a lot longer than just that one week of them being three and five. Because uh, we mentioned it all the time. Yeah. But in those days, uh, that was the story of the offense. Everything had to go perfectly. That yep. they that they would run the ball, and then when they had a chance, they had a shot. They took it, and if it, and they got it, great, and then they'd win. Mm-hmm. If they missed that shot, it was like, oh, my gosh. You, they just could not make a mistake. And it, it seemed like that uh, because of the – and that was the, my complaint about the team back then was that I felt like that the coaching staff was failing it. You know, there mm-hmm. were the things that they couldn't do, and the, and the coaching staff was not doing enough to help these guys out. Uh, and so I, I think that was that was the issue then. Now it, it is to the point that they have enough weapons, uh, certainly with the addition of Mari Cooper uh, to just just he alone has made that kind of uh, that much difference in what they feel like they can and they can't do. And even to the point where Amari Cooper said, hey, forget this. I'm running all these stop routes all the time and these guys are just sitting on it. You know, I can take this guy.
1: Why don't we just run a go here? You yeah. know, and and so and and Dak and Dak initially said, "Run the no, play, no, well, yeah, run the play, run the play." And then he got out there and he looked at it and he kind of went. And again, this is where when you trust someone and you're building that rapport, which clearly we're seeing being built between Dak and and uh, Amari Cooper. Um, so Cooper put it in thought in his head. He said no. Cooper gets out there. Dak gets a little more thought and goes. Well, you know, I'm hitting with this guy. He sees something. I can see it working. Okay, so let's call it. So he changes with the hand signal. He changes it at the line, and they connect for 75 yards.
0: You know, I'm trying to remember over the course of uh, these games since he's been here, since Cooper has been here, um, you know, we heard that, well, he, you know, like his his big game, his first big game, well, that was, you know, a, a demoralized secondary, and, and he just, you know, the, the guys fell down, and he kept on running. You know, mm-hmm. it was like we're, we're trying to denigrate a guy 180 yards of receiving. And now he does the same thing. And, of course, we know that the Eagles secondary struggled, yeah. too. But I got to tell you, um, just watching him, because I hadn't watched him that much when he was in Oakland, mm-hmm. well, just watching him here, um, I don't think there's there's too many guys he couldn't beat because a because of the routes he runs and b because of the speed yeah. uh, and so I have to think that that uh, you could run and he the, has
1: good size on top of that too he's not a much smaller guy yeah. he's
0: really a good size you know yeah. he, not only is he not only is he tall he's a pretty big guy mm-hmm. and uh, this is a pretty tremendous package to get because th- that's the things I've, I've noticed about him since he's been here one uh the whole thing about dropping footballs clearly was was a lack of concentration cuz yeah. he has really good hands
1: and he did drop one in this past game in fact he the the guy the guy bit he he turned he got behind him and, and he couldn't get
0: his hands up fast enough and he though. was trying
1: he was trying to get his, but he i think he was trying to get his hands up to turn to go because he knew no one was behind him because yeah. the guy went for the interception missed it and he was there if he would have had that, that would have been a long time but he didn't do that and then he came back on the next series with the with the 75 yeah touchdown. that's that's the thing
0: you know, to me uh, uh, concentration drops or at least something you can work on. If a guy's got bad hands, you can't fix that.
1: He doesn't have bad hands. No,
0: he does not. So you, you so you watch that and then it's the yards after catch. It's not no. it's just not the yards after catch where he's running away from people. It's the yards after catch when there's a guy hits him and then another guy hits him and then he's still going. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very powerful runner. You know, and I don't think that anybody was thinking of course, that was what Dez Bryant was, you know, a very powerful runner, and a, you know, a very angry runner. And, and so you were used to seeing that from him, a very physical guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we were thinking that, oh, that Amari that, uh, Cooper is a very physical guy, but he is, you know, when you watch him mm-hmm. run. He's not – at the point of, of catching the ball, he's not physical. He's not, you know, uh, necessarily out leaping guys, out-fighting guys for footballs mm-hmm. because he's just always open. He yeah. doesn't really have to do that. But after the catch – He's carrying guys two and three yards with him when he's running with the football.
1: Yeah, he's not a contested catch guy, but but his his strength is his route running gets him open where he doesn't have to do contested catches. Right. Uh, you know, people constantly talk about his ability to plant that leg and then change directions mm-hmm. with the speed he has, and, and that's what allows him to get open on these routes. And that's what everyone talks about. Just just change his speed coming out and change of direction is something that corners just can't keep up with, and. Um, You know, look, I, not everything is a referendum on Dez Bryant, but I keep bringing it back to Dez Bryant because so many Cowboy fans have kept bringing it back to Dez Bryant and saying that, well, look, uh, Dez failed here because of the coaching staff and because of Dak Prescott. You know, Dez had a rapport with Tony Romo. Uh, the reason he didn't have a rapport with Dak Prescott is on Dak Prescott. It's not on... Mm -hmm. Daz Bryant uh it's incumbent on him to do it and uh um you know this coaching staff didn't do this didn't do that didn't move him around didn't get him uh the opportunities uh didn't get into him early enough to keep him engaged and then you know came to him too late and all this well what what we've seen in in only a six game sample size um with Amari Cooper Destroys all of those arguments in my mind. Yeah, because look, he's he's been here six games. He's had two one hundred one hundred yard plus games, and they're they're one eighty and two seventeen. Um, Dak Prescott and Des Bryant were together for twenty nine regular season games. Des had three one hundred yard games in that span. Didn't have any in his last twenty three games with Dak. Uh, now this guy, Amari Cooper. Against the Eagles, had let's not take his whole game. Let's just reduce it to the fourth quarter and overtime. Right, fourth quarter and overtime, he had seven catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, that blows away any single game Des Bryant had in his career and relationship with Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. the The best regular season game he ever had was 116 yards. Right, the best playoff game was that Green Bay game when he had 132 yards. Not even close. And Cooper does that in a fourth quarter and overtime, not even in an entire game. And uh, so, so the numbers are just dramatic. You can, you can say if you want to blame Dak Prescott for not building rapport with Des Bryant, go for it. But let's look at the factors on why clearly Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper are building a very fast rapport. And why it's working so well now? Yeah, I've
0: I've I've contended all along. He's kind of just a big Cole Beasley, you know, and and he had a great rapport with with Cole Beasley from the very beginning, which to me signaled the fact that, you know, it was it was interesting. I was one of the the, when he came in as a rookie. I thought this is really funny that to me that he's throwing the ball to Beasley so much, Mm -hmm. and and I was I was just wondering about it, and then it it became clear to me that he's just throwing to the guy who's open. And, and 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 that's what he wanted to do. So if he could do that with Beasley, it stands to reason to me he could do it with somebody else. Yeah. And that's what he's done with with him with Cooper. Now I want to ask you about something here that came up uh, at the end of the game, and it was a little confusing, and I'm not sure about it. But on the on the winning play, uh, on the on the post game interview on the field. Uh Cooper said that uh I've been running slants against these guys all along, against everybody. And and it seemed to say because he did not run the slant. He he came up and turned and stopped mm-hmm. instead of running the slant. And Des threw him the ball where he was. I mean I mean Dak threw him the ball where he was. Mm-hmm. And and so then the because if he had run if he had, had stopped and and they had run an actual or or Dak had thrown a slant, it'd been an interception. Mm-hmm. You know. So my my point I guess about that was was that his decision and Dak's decision to run that instead of a slant, or did that was that something that was called from the sideline?
1: Well I think it was called from the sideline. They were saying that, you know, we have beaten it on this, but let's give us a slight variation to it since yeah. we've beaten him on it before, uh since he's seen this as one of our go to things. They're going to be sitting on it. That's what they expect. So let's, yeah. you know, how can we just vary that slightly and give the, you know, and, and use that to our advantage. Yeah. So, so, but, but that's the other thing, you know, that now with this offense, defenses have to go. Okay, we want to take away the slant from Amari Cooper. There was nothing to take away in the passing game before Amari Cooper got here. No. Nothing
0: whatsoever. Absolutely not. And there was another play earlier in the game, which, you know, we, we've, as we've learned, this, this uh, offense is pretty famous for not helping out the receivers. You know, yeah. you just got to get open on your own, pal. We're not going to mm-hmm. run any rub routes, you know, picks, no, none of that kind of stuff. And yet, in fact, there was a play in the game yesterday where Cooper caught a ball where – where um, Cole Beasley came up and basically set a pick for him, mm-hmm. and he ran behind him. So it, it seems like that maybe they're even maybe even that the, the the offensive staff is evolving a little bit here as they see you know what the possibilities are.
1: Well, and and a lot and I think coaching staffs in general will tell you that if you have players that can do more things, they're willing to put them in positions to do those things. Yeah, and uh, you know I think before it was just everyone had their role and there was offensively in in the receiving core and there wasn't a lot of cross training if you will you know it's, in, it's like the uh uh the defensive line and the linebackers they work them at all the positions because they want the position flex mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of position flex because Dez was the X receiver right uh he wasn't a Y receiver he wasn't a slot guy uh he was the X you know didn't do this so it's uh um so everyone went okay, well, he has to be over there, so now we can't use right. Terrence Williams or Bryce Butler as the X and so they have to be over here and so you uh that's not the case this year anymore. And and they were doing it before with without Cooper, but again, no one rose to the occasion in any of those positions to 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 be a threat. Yeah. But now you can move him around, he can play several different positions, and you can run them out of the slot at times too, which they've done, and put guys in other positions, and then you don't – and they all run the same play a little bit differently, you mm-hmm. know, and so it gives a little bit different look to the offense, and sometimes that's enough. And and I think you're you're seeing that. And, and look, I think there's a benefit too. I think it's going to be different earlier next year because all these teams now are going to see how Dallas incorporated Cooper over the final, you know, eight to nine games of the regular season the postseason and go, this is how they use them. Now we can do this. When we see this, this is what's yeah. going to happen. A lot of it now is they have an idea what's going to happen, but they don't have enough tape on it yet and haven't seen the tendencies enough to really lock in on it and take it away.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. So now we've talked enough about Cooper, although, uh, although I wanted to just say one last thing. I don't
1: know if we have. I mean, it's his, 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 his dramatic what he's done to this team. Oh, well, this, I, this team would not be – in the postseason this year if it weren't for Amari Cooper and, and them making that trade. It just no, would not have there's
0: No, there, there's no question about that. I'll, and I think it's interesting, if you look at the pictures in the paper uh, and, uh, and online uh, of Cooper as he comes off the field and he's standing on the sideline, all the guys around him are defensive guys. Mm-hmm. And they're all slapping him on the back and talking to him. What do you think the rest of this team thinks about Amari
1: Cooper? Yeah.
0: You know, this this is like the heavens parted and and an angel came
1: down. No question. And, and 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 because they were carrying this team, absolutely. But they there was nowhere else to carry them if the offense didn't improve. Yeah. And and, and the defense knew that, and and I think Cowboys management knew that, which is why they gave up the first when they did, because they went, they, they knew they had a defense that was good enough to get them to the postseason and and to give them a chance for success. But the offense was so far behind the curve and so limited um that they knew they weren't going to be able to capitalize on that and and so the but again, having said that this this trade still to this point has exceeded their expectations yeah. uh, no, no no question about it but yeah and, and and you know the defensive players were talking about that too, you know the uh talking about how. It is. It's just infectious to see what what Cooper has done, and and they know. And again, that game's a great example. I mean, Cooper didn't do much. He didn't get a lot of opportunities. What he had three catches for fifty four yards, uh, going into the fourth quarter, didn't come close to really breaking open the game. But but no one else had either. And and at this point, now the defense looks up, and it's nine six, and it's like really,
0: yeah. You, you got to have somebody rise to the occasion. Yeah. And, and,
1: yeah and they gave them the ball down on the two yard line, you know, with Dax with fumble. So, uh, yeah, that, so they're, they're ecstatic. And again, another thing to point out is who would have thought going into the season that there would be a game where Ezekiel Elliott would have 192 yards from scrimmage and be your second leading producer in the game?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: 192 a, yards, and he finishes second in production for the day.
0: And that, that that's a crazy stat. That is, a crazy and this
1: stat. was a, I didn't realize this time uh, That that game was the first time in franchise history that you had a quarterback throw for more than 400 yards, a receiver go for more than 200 yards, and a running back go for more than 100 yards. Really, first time in franchise history, first time in the NFL since 2007. And so, why aren't people talking about the Cowboys like they're talking about the Chiefs? This is who they are now,
0: because maybe not.
1: They're not as thrilling <laughs> offensively. Yeah. But again, let's see what the Chiefs do. You know, the Chiefs need to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. To, to really, you know, if not, it's going to be. What if they go? What if they lose their first game? That's not out of the question. No, it's not. It's not. You know, but they play Pittsburgh in the first. You know, the first games against Pittsburgh. Here, here's been my contention
0: about the Cowboys. If you're going to be strong on one side of the ball, you know, frankly, I'd rather be strong on the defensive side. Uh, and because we we've seen the Cowboys be really good offensively, and the Tony Romo, yeah. Dez Bryant heyday. Yeah. that was a really good offensive team, and they were fun to watch. Uh, and where did they go? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Because I think teams can shut you down, uh, given the elements, given the timing, given just, just sure. the scouting reports and the, and the time to, to put them together. There are a lot of things you can do. Uh, the I think you could say now with this team, as I, we were talking about before, you need to be dominant on one side of the ball and at least be competent on the other. I'd say they're more than competent on offense now. Yeah. I'd say that this team is, you know, they're, they're still making too many mistakes. Uh, Dax uh, fumbling too much, uh, and I think that's a product mostly – uh, people people are writing me and asking, does he have really small hands? Yeah, no, I said, no, do I not, I've, I'm not been you know measuring my hands with him, uh, but but you know, to me, it's more a case of he's simply holding, he's still holding on to the ball too long in the pocket, The pocket's yeah. collapsing around him. Get rid of the ball, you know, make it make a quick throw here, or just throw it away, or, or if you feel like you can get out and run, then get out and run. But uh, but, but I think that it's come to a point now where he needs to make quicker decisions on those types of things and and, and because before you you ha- he had to make a play and make something big happen right mm-hmm. i don't think it's it's that, it's you know it's it's kind of like let's just throw this one away and live to fight another day yeah. right and because cuz now you have the weapons to do that now you do have Amari Cooper. Now your tight ends do look better. You know they they mm-hmm. become more involved in the offense now. They,
1: they had like they combined for eleven catches. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So they look so they look pretty good. So every, everything's starting to evolve a little bit here with yeah. this offense. And so I I think that if if I were you know given any advice. To, to the DAC, it would be look, just, just get rid of the ball a little bit quicker here. You know, and mm-hmm. don't think that you got to make ring something out of every play. Uh, that's just not necessary. The defense is playing yeah. really well. Uh, the offense has a lot of things going for it now, and, and especially with the offensive line having yeah. as many problems as it You don't it's need to now.
1: turn it over now. Yeah, you don't have to. And, and again, that's the, you know, it's interesting because I think for when we talk about a running quarterback or a mobile quarterback, which he is, and that's not to say he looks to run rather than throw. No. And, uh, which I think is a point in his favor, but, um, the thing is a mobile quarterback has more decisions to make Yeah. at that moment, because it's like, if you're not a mobile quarterback, you're going, okay, I got to throw it away here to avoid the sack. Right. Can I make this pass or do I have to throw it away? That's your, that's your final decision before the hit. Yeah. A mobile quarterback is, okay, do I, can I hit this pass? Do I throw it away? Or I have a little bit of room I can run here, so is it better for me to run, but you have to be you have to be positioned to either throw or run, and then once you make the decision, you have to transition to do whatever it is you're going to do so that that in and of itself lends to a little bit more ball insecurity for a brief period of time, and he's got to be better there he's got to be he's got to be decisive earlier yeah, am I going to run here? am I going to throw it here? am I just going to eat it here
0: Right, now let's, I brought up the offensive line. Um, that was a really rough game uh, for Tyron Smith. Three holding calls. I, you know, you, watching them on the replays. You know, my my feeling about a holding call on an offensive line, and it should be. Are you impeding this guy from changing directions, first of all? If he wanted to go one way, if he was going one way and he was trying to go the other and then all of a sudden he can't go because you you've got the vice grips on him. Mm-hmm. Or uh if it's clear that, you know, the guy is still leaning a certain way and he can't get there because you got him. When when a guy's just upright and fighting with you and you
1: and you're locked on, that's that's to me, that's not a holding call. Uh the the Cowboys will send the tape in of this game and just I think ask for clarification. Really? What you know? Help us to teach him better. What is he doing wrong here? Yeah, because I don't think they feel he's doing anything wrong. They feel that he is so he is so big and he's so strong when he locks up with these guys, they can't get away from him. Right. That doesn't mean it's holding. It's yeah. just like you're saying. It's just the constant. Because you can hand use your hands and, now. You
0: yeah, know, it's yeah. not like you can't use your hands. You and, can. And,
1: and they just think he's so big and strong. And and again. An an example of his strength is, you know, he's had like basically tendonitis in his elbow and he's having to wear a leg brace instead of an arm brace because great, they don't get one to, they don't have one that fit. <laughs> got a
0: leg brace on his arm. I love that. That's so a great.
1: So, um, um, so it, it's like, you know, it's like other sports where they say it's like, well, Shaquille O'Neal got fouled on every play because how else could you keep him out of there? Right. Well, some of that is when you're so physically overpowering at a position um, I think the the perception of referees is, well, no, we've got to adjust for this somehow. I mean, or, or we've got to, this can't, this can't happen this way. We don't have mismatches like this on this level, and so you, uh, that I think the Cowboys would argue that officials are kind of going to a default mode of, well, look, he's got to be holding here because this guy's not strong enough just to swallow him up because we know how. Good, you know Fletcher Cox, or whoever he's going to go against is. You'd think
0: that Tyron Smith has that reputation, and he get the benefit of, of the doubt.
1: Some, some, yeah, but, but, uh, and I, that's it. I think other teams would argue a lot. Well, look, he's doing this all the time, and he's not yeah. getting so. Maybe so. It, it's that constant battle you always have in the line with, with great players, as far as um, you want to ensure their greatness and that it's not legislated against right. subtly within games while other teams are saying, well hey, is this guy really all that great or are you letting him get away with this because we'll send you these tapes. Yeah. So it's that but but you know, even even this season and people go, "Oh, he's in decline." Okay, he's in decline from the in- undisputed best left tackle in the game, but that doesn't mean he's not one of the top 3 left tackles in the game right now. <laughs> yeah, I th- and he is. He's still he's still top 3 five I think by any metric you choose to use.
0: And so do, do they believe that Zach Martin will be back for the Colts this week?
1: A little early to say. I think they're um their their concern here would be it, it's the same knee, same MCL sprain that he's been dealing with all year. Um they're they're about to get to the point here where they haven't they haven't mathematically clinched the division, but for all practical purposes they have. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Now, do they wait and do everything to try to clinch the division this week and then give him a game or two of rest? And and, uh, I think they would probably prefer to go that way if possible. Uh, I mean, if they're told that, look, Zach Martin's never missed a game in his NFL career. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And and he's not going to want to miss one now. I mean, but but if the doctors say, well, no, you can risk – further injury by going out there. You need to take a week or two off, then he'll take a week or two off. Uh, but if they say if you can manage the pain, you're not going to make it any worse, then I think you'll see him out there. But then but then, as soon as the Cowboys do clinch a division title, they have a decision to make on um, Zach Martin if they want to give him a, at least a game to, uh, a break. Or, 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 or start him for a game to keep it going and then rotate someone else in to give him... and. In an odd way, this is – I can't believe we're going to have this discussion. We don't have to have it right now. But um, I, I think there's a good, very good chance the Cowboys clinch this week because even if they lose, a, a Philly loss or a Washington loss secures the right. secures the division title. So then they go into the final two games of the regular season. Now, you can still play for seeding. They, you could still get the number three seed, which I would say is beneficial because right now if you stay at the number four seed – uh, you're going to get Seattle in the first round. Mm-hmm. If you get if you move to number three ahead of Chicago, and Chicago drops to the four seed, then they'll get Seattle, and then you would get Philadelphia again or Minnesota, right? Uh, which Seattle really handled last night. You'll get yeah. one of the or a Green Bay team still has a chance. You would get a much more flawed team than you would in Seattle. So, uh, I, I do think that Dallas should play still play to get that number three seed, but. Uh, I maintain all along. I I, I disagreed with them two years ago when they sat everybody in that Philadelphia game. You know, you have some momentum. You're starting to play well. You're building, especially in that case where you're going to have a week off. Mm -hmm. Now you're giving guys two weeks off when they had a rhythm and they got into, you know, I I understand the importance of rest and being fresh and all of that, but – um and you saw how slowly they started in that game coming out oh. of it too with the young team. And and just like, you know, I thought the coaching staff made a mistake this year by by this offense shut it down for the final two preseason games. They hadn't worked together enough to feel good about where this offense was going into the season. Um, it's a younger team. They need the work. Now, if this nucleus was, had been together for four years, and no, shut it down. That's different. And, yeah. and I think – and, you know – for where this team started from and from three and five to get to where it is, if let's, let's extend this and say they win in India. Now it's six straight games. Are you really going to start tinkering and giving guys rest and, and, and lose one or your final two games because you say they don't matter and not, you know, I think you push this thing all the way through now. I think where they started building and going and where they came from, I think you just play this thing out. And, and, and I'm not saying you you're you're stupid about it. I mean, Zach Martin, yeah, spot a Zach Martin. You know, don't put him in there. But uh, play Elliot. Now don't give him thirty five touches, give him twenty touches. But but still stay to your core identity and, and integrity and, and, and push this thing through.
0: And to a much larger point, David, uh, I'm going to rip them if they back off because uh, you and I both picked them to go 11 and 11-5, five and, and they the need season. to do that. Yeah, they need, they need to do that. If they can't come up with 11 wins, I'm going to rip
1: well, them. Well, this, this is the team I thought they would be all year, the one we've seen over these yeah, last Yeah, I did too. And I think
0: that you and I probably both overrated the, the wide receiver situation just like the Cowboys did. Uh, we did
1: Well, I thought they would be at least capable. At I that thought Alan position. Hearns
0: would be capable. Uh, and, well, I thought Hearns
1: and Gallup combined would give them more than what Des Bryant gave them last yeah, year. Yeah, and,
0: and I think you can certainly make that point. I think the problem was is that what had happened was and what we didn't take into consideration was that, yeah, another other teams that have adjusted for that in the mm-hmm. off season And they have seen what the Cowboys are. We know what they are. You take away this, and now we can yeah. really shut this offense down. And that's what happened. You know, even with – and then I would say, and I'm sure you would say too, that if Dez had come back, the offense would have gone – in the tank just like it has now, mm-hmm. or like it was before Cooper. He was not the answer. No. Des Bryant was not the answer, and that was clear from what we'd seen. We'd yes. seen plenty of evidence that there was no rapport between he and, and Dak, and so, therefore, it was time to move on from that, and we've seen what happened now. And now I think, you know, going forward, uh, we've, we've seen the progression of Michael Gallup this season, and we've seen what Cooper's done. I'm sure they're going to re-sign him at this point. I think there would be, a, <laughs> oh, there'd be yeah, no mass hysteria. Again. Well, you don't give on. up a first-round pick
1: no to, to let a guy be no. the leading and look amari cooper is the leading receiver in the league since the trade
0: yeah, i know that's an amazing stat too and and here's another thing too and this came up and, and you may not have heard this if you didn't have the broadcast on uh troy eggman who i respect very much and respect very much for his opinions and, and what he does mm-hmm. and when he came out and complained about the the you know i didn't have any problem with anything that he said basically sure. uh but he he maintained in this game when I asked again by Joe Buck, he said, "Yeah, it was a first rounder too much to give up?" Because what well, it probably was, because you know, depending on what you hear, what they could have given up. All right, look, I don't know. I, I we've we've heard that Philadelphia offered a two, two, okay. I don't know that uh, that the maybe the Raiders would have just sat on it. Maybe they would have just said, "You know what? We're just if you're not going to give us a one, we're not going to trade so long. It. yeah. and so we'll just hold on to him. Maybe that would have been the case. But it goes back to the old Travis Frederick thing. I I wrote at the time, and I maintained that look. You know, you could have gotten Travis Frederick in the second round, and then you could have had you know taken you could have taken uh, Tyler Eifert in the first round instead uh, of taking Gavin Escobar in the second. So Mm -hmm. this was a mistake. This is a mistake. This is a mistake. Well, in the end, it's not a mistake. In the end, you got Travis Frederick, who's a Pro Bowl center, who's a who's a great Mm -hmm. player uh, before he got uh, for this terrible malady he's suffered, (coughs) but. The point is is that when you get this kind of production out of a guy, you can no longer say, well, you could have got him in the second round. You don't know you could have got him in the second round. No, maybe you, maybe yeah. you could have got him. The point is you got a Pro Bowl player in the first round, and that's all you need.
1: And this guy's 24. And this guy's it's not, 24. It's not like he's 27. This is, No. And, and again, is, is a, how would you have felt if Dallas didn't do anything? And, again, in theory, yes, they overpaid. Uh first round picks and, and, and Dallas has been hitting on his first round picks by yep. and large. You know, and so it's uh um but also by the way he's playing, now that pick Oakland gets in return is less. That's gonna I'm be, be like around twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. Now if Dallas hadn't made the trade, uh you know, and then would have given up a one. Then you're looking at something in the 14 to 15, you know, Absolutely. So it's it's so, a big difference. I mean, huge difference in value. And, and that's the other thing they were banking on. It's like, well, we get him. We're lessening what we give them in return if this Absolutely. really hits. Yeah. And, and so they've hit on that. Uh, it, it is interesting, though. It, this is not just strictly a one-sided deal because uh, Dax numbers, since Amari Cooper is here, are much better. Derek Carr's numbers, <laughs> since Amari Cooper is left, are much better. Oh that interesting right? I had yeah. not looked at that. Yeah. that that is interesting he went from uh I believe with Amari cooper there that Carr was around a quarterback rating of around 85 86 I think he said oh, 105 really since he left yeah he's so you know sometimes you have play and this goes back to the whole Dak des thing again sometimes you have players that should work and you desperately tried to find a way to make it work and it just doesn't and um no just a matter there of chemistry may have been a little bit of that with car i know? think
0: so too there's no question to me about chemistry and that's where we we make decisions all the time about guys can play they can't play this guy was good this guy was no good do we really know that do we know if, if you put him in this situation if you put him in another situation yeah. you, you added this guy you put him in here would he have been a better player there are certain certainly players who rise to any occasion and those oh, are sure. the all-time players you know mm-hmm. the guys who play in any kind of situation and they're great uh, but those players are very few and far in between. Yep. So that will do it for our Cowboys podcast today, which was Evan Free. And uh, and we all certainly appreciate that in we, here. We do. We didn't have to wake anybody up or do anything. <laughs> so uh, that was really good. And we're also going to have our, our Rangers podcast from Evans at the Winter Meetings in Las Vegas, which the Rangers. Then that's
1: where I would take my nap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the rangers are tearing that up tearing (laughs) up those winter meetings and then we're going to have a match podcast and david and i are going to talk about uh the the impact of of their first round draft pick speaking of which
1: speaking of dramatic impacts
0: yeah absolutely so from everybody in here to everybody out there thank you
1: thanks for listening to the cowboys ballsy podcast be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes
0: on itunes Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast.
1: Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.